Welcome to The Creative Switch, the podcast inspiring the sensibly successful to switch on their unexpressed creativity for a more fulfilled life. What happens when you smush your creative passion with your career in mental health and well-being? Listen to my conversation with guest Emma Balin, founder of Shared Harmonies, to find out how she did it. And later, hear a doubting Doris story from someone who fills her life with creativity, despite what an art teacher once said to her. But before we get to that, let me encourage you to head to my website, nikkivalance.com, and sign up to join the Creative Switch community and get involved in the creative conversation. First, though, it's time for some creative news in The Edge. A couple of weeks ago, the UK government and the Creative Industries Council published their vision for the creative industries in the UK. It's a plan for how the public and private sectors should work together to enable the cultural and creative sectors to further contribute to the economy. It talks about cross-discipline collaboration by creating clusters of businesses and organisations to support each other's work on a local basis, and also investment in talent and skills development. The CEO of Arts Council England says the creative industries are one of Britain's biggest success stories and that the new sector vision reflects that success. You can read the announcement and full plan in the link that I've shared in the show notes. It looks like an ambitious plan to stimulate growth in the creative sector, but I'd like to know what you think. Do share your views on this with me, either in the Creative Switch community or on Twitter. And don't forget, you can find all the links to connect in the show notes. And how about stimulating your own creativity and well-being through singing at work? Let's find out how that works in this episode with founder of community interest company, Shared Harmonies, Emma Balin. Hello, Emma. Lovely to have you here on The Creative Switch. Hi, thank you for having me. It's fantastic to be able to talk about creativity with you. But before we get into the meat of that conversation, which is a massive topic that nobody can really cover in the time we've got, let's try and see what we can do. But before we do that, I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. So my name's Emma Balin, and I am the founding director of Shared Harmonies, which is a community interest company, so not-for-profit, and we offer creative development services for companies and communities. So what that looks like in practice is we work with corporates of varying sizes to help them look at team building, well-being, leadership development, organisational development, but all through creative practices, predominantly shared singing experiences. So that can be anything from a regular work-based choir to a one-off workshop or an event energizer at a conference. And then we reinvest all the profits along with other fundraising activities that we do into our community singing for wellbeing programs. And there we work with people with a range of long-term health and wellbeing conditions, including Parkinson's, dementia, uh, research conditions, long COVID, mental health. So fantastic. And so the kind of thread is all about singing. How did you end up where you are now? So I, I've always sung. I feel really lucky because I feel like I have the opposite story to an awful lot of people I work with. 
So when I was about four, I was pulled aside by a teacher at the end of a school assembly who told me I had a beautiful singing voice and he wanted me to sing a song in the next school play. And I think at that age, you believe anything good or bad. And so many people I work with have had the exact opposite experience at a very young age. They were told that they didn't have a good singing voice. They were asked to mime in the school choir or were not allowed to be in it. And I think that sets people on a journey for life. So I work with people a lot in terms of getting rid of those limiting beliefs and and freeing up the voice that we've all been born with to share. But yeah, so I was told that I could sing. I've always loved singing. My family all sing, not professionally, but our family parties, a whole load of people stood around the kitchen singing all our favourite songs from across the generations, aunts, uncles, grandparents, you know, cousins, you name it. And so I always wanted to sing. But it wasn't thought of as a viable career. Although my family sing, there was that idea that very few people make a career out of singing. So do something that's a solid career. And so I turned to my next passion, which was people and building community. And I trained as a youth and community worker, which I did for a number of years, specializing in health and well-being. And then just over 10 years ago, I decided that I wanted to bring all my passions together into one place. So I took my passions for building community, for improving people's health and well-being, and singing and developed shared harmonies and the most amazing decision I ever made. Excellent. So that was a moment, so you said 10 years ago, so that was a moment when something connected with you, something switched on in you. Can you remember what it was that made you think, no, I'm going to do this? So I've got an 18 year old and when he was a baby, I started going to some parent and child groups and I was invited to a family camp and there was some shared singing experiences as part of that family camp. So he would have been about one and a half, two, something like that. And Mm -hmm. I just connected into this shared singing experience and remembered how powerful that was and it really sparked something in me again. And I just, in that moment, I thought, this is what I want to do. This is. I want to be doing what this amazing lady, Kate Howard, she's called a fantastic singing leader. I want to be doing what she's doing. It's incredible. But I had a small child, wasn't able to do anything with that, but it stuck with me. And then a few years later, I heard some more groups singing. And again, it, it sparked something in me. I was like, I, this is what I want to be doing. And so as my son got older, I started to explore the idea. And I also wanted to make it something that was for me, I didn't want to run a community choir because there's, there's lots of those around where I live. They're, they're amazing. They're really popular. But I had a passion that was about taking creativity to people who maybe wouldn't choose to do it. So who maybe had some limiting beliefs around their ability to engage or some fears or some doubts or had had their voice shut down when they were younger. And my passion was to is, still is, to take that out to people who may have multiple barriers, financial, emotional, whatever it was. And so that's where my model kind of developed from, knowing that I really researched where it would have the most benefit. And then researched how I could reach people who would get that benefit, both within businesses and within the community. And so, yeah, so that's where that came from. But it really was that moment of being engaged in that creative activity again and just remembering how powerful and how incredible it is and thinking, this is is it, I can't do anything else. So for yourself, you're getting the benefit of 
connecting with people, helping them connect with their creativity. And the guests on my podcast cover a range of different roles and you cover all three of them, really. You've switched on your own creativity and you've connected with that. You are facilitating people who are inspired to try and do the same and you're, and you're helping them connect with their creativity. Over the years, though, you've obviously learned something about what creativity means. Talk to me about why it's important, what it does for people, how it works. I think we are born as humans to to keep developing, to keep expanding, mm. to grow. We're not designed to to sit still. That's where boredom and people feeling stuck and feeling feeling down often comes from not feeling able to progress or bring our full selves to situations. And creativity is a fantastic mechanism for opening up the, you know, that potential for expansion and growth. And for me, creativity is the driver of everything. You know, even even within science, if we couldn't imagine that something could be different, we wouldn't set about trying to prove it through scientific means. So for me, creativity is at the center of everything. And but more than that, it's now been there's lots of scientific research has gone into the benefits of, of singing as, as one aspect, but also creativity in and of itself. And it's been shown that that um, actually the, the brain starts to work differently when we're engaged in a, in a creative activity, that it, it actually creates connection between the different parts of the brain and which actually increases brain plasticity, which allows us to to then do other things that are maybe not creative in a in a better way. So it literally within organisations, it it helps people develop innovative solutions to problem solving in other areas of their work. It helps create connection. I mean, particular you know, lots of creative activities do, but particularly singing been proven to release oxytocin, which is the trust hormone, the hormone we get when we hug somebody, and when one person releases it it triggers the release in other people. And so we get this sense of connectivity that is, that's bigger and more powerful than we might get when we're doing other joint activities. Singing and other creative activities, they, they release all four happiness hormones. So we get this sense of euphoria of, uh, like I say, of connectedness, a sense of real well-being it can help reduce stress, which again, you know, stress in, in and of itself is, we know, we now know what an impact that has. Um, and I think particularly the last few years has shown us just how, just how powerful and just how dangerous that kind of high stress levels can be. And also it can be a real sense of expression. So many people that I work with who haven't felt safe to share their voices in the past have used their creative activity to share thoughts, to share feelings, to share, to process trauma. So we use singing with, within mental health as well as other activities. And we actually, people use it as a way of dealing with anxiety, stress, processing trauma. We did a collaborative songwriting process during lockdown and people used it as a way to deal with what they were going through during, during that time that so many of us felt really difficult so I think it has creativity and for me my passion obviously is singing it can do so much and I think it's often underestimated or or people still have this fear factor around it oh I'm not I'm not the best singer I am not the best artist and actually what evidence is now showing is that you don't have to be it's not the end product 
that actually counts. It's the it's the process that we go through in engaging mm. in that activity that gives us all those well-being benefits. So just singing in and of itself, no matter what you or anybody else think of your voice, still has all those incredible releases, all those happiness hormones, reduces stress, helps regulate our breathing, does so many things. And then when we sing with others, it exacerbates that those amazing positive impacts. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what often the end result is amazing anyway, but it all, it doesn't matter. It's the process of engaging in creativity that gives us all those incredible outcomes. So yeah, I mean, for me, it's the center of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you can really hear it in, in, in your voice. So you talked earlier about one of the things that you really wanted to do is reach the people who perhaps didn't feel that they were worthy of getting involved in creativity or good enough to do it. For those people, what sort of techniques and situations do you put them in? How do you talk to them about how to connect with their creativity? Is it different from the people who know they are creative, but perhaps have sat on that creativity? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think probably not between those two, because I think for me, how that presents in terms of access to our sessions is is often still a kind of mindset or a limiting belief that's stopping them from pursuing it so whether it's somebody who doesn't believe they're they've got a good voice but but sings secretly in the shower to those who know that they can sing but but are worried or are fearful about engaging in it for whatever reason you know maybe they believe they can't make a career out of it or maybe they've got too many other things that they're trying to juggle in life and find the time but it still presents in the same way there's something there's a Mm -hmm. a belief there's a mindset that's stopping people engaging in it and Mm -hmm. so we often try and find a route in that helps them engage so within the community work we do often that is the health or well-being condition so somebody will come to us because they want something that helps them manage the symptoms that they're experiencing through having parkinson's or they want something that might help them to manage the symptoms of a respiratory condition And the amazing thing within, particularly within the respiratory work that we do, is we actually do breathing retraining based on our singing expertise that actually has really positive clinical outcomes. So we really see people making improvements in their respiratory condition. So people come to us for that and then realize how much they enjoy the singing. But that purpose at the end of it gives them the kind of driver to overcome any of those internal barriers, those fears about their own voice and and joining. And within, sometimes within minutes, you know, very definitely within one or two sessions, they're loving the singing as much as they're loving the health outcomes they're getting. Within companies, often we get brought in and the majority of the participants won't know that that's what they're going to do. So I'm often, I'm often faced with a lot of instant fear in a room yeah we so they might think they're coming for a team building activity or um or a well-being session or a leadership development session and I will then talk to them about the fact that the methodology we're going to use to explore that topic is in fact a singing experience and I bet you get lots of groans I get a lot of people who you can see are kind of trying to find the, the nearest escape route 
<laughs> but I'll I'll mention that in the room and then and then we use techniques from the singing experience to actually help people to feel grounded and to overcome that fear. So, you know, a lot of the breath work that's involved in singing is actually shown to be one of the quickest ways to quieten our fear, that kind of fight or flight response and bring us back into that rest and relax mode. So we'll use that, we'll just demonstrate that in practice. So we do techniques where we help people feel grounded you know, I'm a very experienced trainer and facilitator outside of my singing work too. So I'll bring in facilitative techniques that really help people just feel comfortable. And I always work with getting people into their, out of their comfort zone, into their stretch zone, which is where we get our biggest, most powerful learning experiences, but never into that absolute fear and freeze place. So it's all about using the techniques to get people into that stretch, having that incredible both personal and shared learning experience, and then being able to, through that, feel these incredible kind of shifts, developments, progress within whatever area it might be that we're looking at. But for me, it's about that stretch zone. It's about that exploring, using creativity as a way to help people shift shift things that might be holding them back, shift those limiting beliefs, explore their own, their place within a team, their their organization, their leadership style, and then through the lens of something different, which can be, which again can be really powerful. Creativity can give us that mechanism to look at something through a different lens and through a different light. And so then be able to come up with different potential behaviors and actions that will produce different and more positive outcomes. Fantastic. So obviously singing is your passion. And you said that you started singing as probably one of your earliest memories that you know that you were able to sing. You talked about lots of people not being lucky enough to do that in their job. Is there a performer in you that would rather just be singing and and making a career doing that? Or is it actually the combination that gets you going and gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, that's that's a, a really interesting question. I think because I am so passionate about people and facilitate, you know, I really do think, so over the last few years, I've done a lot of personal development and I've looked a lot about what's my passion, what's my purpose. And I do think I am a, a teacher. I'm, a, you know, that's something that, that really, and not a teacher in a traditional sense, but an enable no. somebody who enables mm-hmm. other people to yep. learn and develop. And I think I wouldn't ever feel completely satisfied if I wasn't doing that as at least part of what I do. However, I love singing too. And I've now got a small team and when we get together and we sing together, it's one of the most joyful things that I ever do. I absolutely love it. And we love an opportunity to do that and to showcase that to other people. And I have sung semi-professionally in the past before children. And it is something that I would like to explore again in the future. I do love singing. I do love performing. As I say, it's something that got put on the back burner with with children and, and this career. But it is something that I would like to explore again in the future. I am known to be a very passionate kind of karaoke singer, given half a chance as well. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It's so surreal. We've, we've, hard, we've hardly met. We've met today, although we've obviously talked online. And I, my situation is very similar. I, I have always been a writer. I've always been a singer as well. That's another story. And 
I have written my and published my first novel and I'm working on my second one. But I got to a point where I thought, I'm not sure that just the writing is, is enough. I want to help more people. I want to reach more people. And although even I was thinking to myself, you know, if you project forward, even if my books were, you know, selling in the multi-million copies, I still wouldn't have a connection with the readers in the same way as I feel I need. So that's kind of how this podcast came about, because I felt that I wanted to learn about other people, their creativity, inspire other people to do what I had done, which was switch mine on big time and go from being in the corporate world to being an author. And and I need to come to you because there's definitely the singer in me is for some reason hasn't really done enough with that skill. And I know I absolutely love it. I was in musicals in school and, and I just kind of do know why it stopped. But I'm also a creative writing coach. So I try and help people not with the ability to write or the skills to write, but why it's not working and why they get yeah. stuck and all that mindset stuff. So there's a lot of synergy there in terms of what we both do. Do you have any other creative outlets, any other ways that you express yourself creatively, painting or anything else? Isn't it funny because I was just thinking, as you said that, about where I still hold limiting beliefs. So I work with people to help shift theirs in not just in singing, that's my first step. And then I use that experience to help people explore where maybe they've got other limiting beliefs in other areas of their life they're really kind of relating it back to their life situation if we're working in communities or their corporate situation if we're working with companies but I too still have to really push myself to work on my own limiting beliefs and other areas of creativity are things that I find really difficult but absolutely love so it's really interesting you mentioned writing because I love writing I felt like I have things that are worth sharing with people, but writing, speaking, I find easy. I've always done it. I get nervous, but it doesn't scare me standing up on stages in front of lots of people, but writing absolutely terrified me. And so during lockdown, I really pushed myself to do that. And I had to really, really get past all those barriers that you just spoke about And it was a huge, a huge process for me Um, and and ended up co-authoring two collaborative books. So right, authoring a chapter in in each. I was really out of my comfort zone. I was really not only in my stretch zone, but on the end of that, about to (laughs) go into absolute panic. And I use a lot of the techniques I use with other people on myself Mm. to to stay grounded and, and stay within that stretch. And that's something that I would like to explore more. I'd love to do more writing. I do love doing art. Again, tends to be more on the kind of doodle format. But yeah, again, I have lots of dreams for when my son is finally fully independent. I'm actually also like, I used to love drama as a child and I'd love to, as he gets older and more independent, I'd love to start to get involved in more amateur dramatics that involve singing Mm -hmm. and acting and a bit of other stuff. So We'll see. Watch this space. Ask me again in about two years. Don't worry. I think we might be collaborating. I think one of the things that concerns me about education nowadays is this focus. You mentioned science and I I actually started out as a scientist. I did a, a chemistry degree and I was one of those people who was able to do pretty much whatever I wanted. But I felt drawn towards what I saw as a sort of sensible career. Going into the sciences was, you know, you're much more likely to be employable and everyone knows it's difficult and therefore it shows that you've worked hard and all of that sort of thing. 
And so I always thought, oh, I'll just do those other things on the side. And I hadn't quite appreciated the need to find an outlet. Even if you are busy, even if you have got a family, you need to find an outlet to make sure you feel complete. And that it doesn't have to be for anybody else other than you, but it needs to find a way out. Because if you don't use that creativity, as you say, that's when you feel stuck. And in fact, that's how my first novel came about. I was working with a coach. I was actually working with her on a couple of other sort of fairly normal goals. One was a career goal, you know, doing better at my job and, and one was a health goal. And so I said, look, I've got a third goal that I can work on. What shall I do? And she said, well, let's, let's whittle it down. What's missing? What's missing uh, from your calendar? What's missing from your life? And I went, oh, something creative. I don't know what it is. And funnily enough, I said to her, I don't want a structured goal. The other two are fine. They're really structured. That makes sense. But I want something really free because obviously that's what creativity yeah. is all about. And she said, that's fine. It's up to you. It's your goal. And then funny enough, within a week, I'd said, oh, I know what it is. I want to write a book. And then within another week, I said, no, no, that's not good enough. I want to publish, I want to publish a novel. <laughs> and it kind of turned into this really structured goal. But it was deep inside. It was buried there for a long time. And obviously, I'd wanted to do it, but I hadn't even acknowledged that to myself. So those people who think they're not creative or have told themselves they aren't, normally that comes from something. So is there a common theme? Is it someone who said something to them? Is it something that they've compared themselves with other people, perhaps when they were a child? Is there one main theme? Certainly within singing, I think it's not quite as bad as it used to be, although I do still hear stories. But certainly my generation and older there was this really big thing within singing within schools where people were just told that you could or you couldn't. And that's really not true. And so people can learn, like you can learn anything else. And and it's as ludicrous as somebody going into a, a maths class at age five and being told, well, that's it. You'll never be able to do maths. Yeah. So it, it's exactly the same thing. And yet that's what people were told. So people were, you know, were told at a very young age, your voice is not good enough. And the impact that that has is mm. is huge it's much bigger than people not just sharing their voice within singing mm. it actually has been told that your voice is not good enough or being told you know in other areas that your creativity is not good enough it actually has a really deep psychological impact on people and mm. it impacts on the way that people feel and our voices are it's our personal expression it is it's how we project everything that we think and feel into the world so to have that to be told at a young age that that isn't good enough to share with the world is really deeply traumatizing for people and I have had experiences where people in sharing their voices again through singing for the first time have had huge releases it's really prompted people to tears I've had people like run after me as I've left her at an event, you know, from across a room going, I was one of those people that was told that I wasn't good enough to share my voice. And that was the most liberating experience I've ever had. And it's really sad for me because it comes from mm. something really historical. We were originally known as a singing country. We lived in communities and singing was the way that we celebrated the seasons. We celebrated births and deaths. We celebrated transitional points in life. It's buried deep within our DNA. You know, it's, it's who we were. And then at some point it became part of a kind of elite class or, or organized. Mm -hmm. We sang for religion or we sang and, and, that's where this whole idea of, you know, you, you're not good enough to sing came mm. from. And then suddenly it gradually 
just becomes part of what people said and believed and we and we get these generations of people who were told you've got to mime in the school choir and it's awful it you know I have worked with people who are in the 60s who've said you know I go to church every week and I still mime it's heartbreaking and so yeah helping people refine their voice for me it is about singing but it's about a lot more than that it's about what that gives us connection to and access to and it's beautiful and, and everybody can. I mean, this is the thing. I think we have this idea that you can paint or you can't, you can sing or you can't, you can write or yeah. you can't. And although people may have a natural aptitude towards something, like somebody might have a natural aptitude towards maths or whatever else, all yeah. people can learn it. And I think it's that. I think it's helping people see that, yeah, where we are is good enough and from that we can build and develop if we want to or we can share to the level we're at and there's beauty in that too excellent one of the reasons i was a bit of a leading question i i should have been, uh, i should have said i'm going to be using within the podcast uh, and also i've got a facebook group that is the companion to this uh, podcast I'm going to encourage the members of the group to get involved in a conversation about their doubting dorises and Maybe not in their creativity. It could be it could be anything, but normally it is the thing that stopped them from having a go and believing in themselves. So you had the opposite. You had a teacher who said, Yeah, I believe in you. So do you have a doubting Doris? Is that part of your writing issue? Is there any other areas that you have someone who said, nah, it's not your thing really? Good question. Yeah, I'm sure I've got lots. There was definitely lots about writing definitely built up a belief that although I felt confident in speaking I didn't necessarily feel confident in writing and actually that's even that's not strictly true I am a very experienced trainer and facilitator but that's all about sharing developed content or helping people find their content within a process I had a lot of limiting beliefs around the fact that I had anything that was worth listening to, that I had experiences that people might find valuable or useful. So when it came to sharing anything that was my thoughts, that was my my experiences, I had a lot of doubts. And I didn't feel like my stuff was good enough for a podcast, for a book, for a stage. So if I was singing, that was okay. You know, could stand up in front of hundreds of people. If I was facilitating other people to do something, absolutely fine. But sharing my own content was really difficult. So that was, yeah, that was part of what I really worked on. So as well as the, as well as the, the writing, because that was huge for me, was was the writing. I also pushed myself to do speaking, but that was about my own experiences and what yeah. I felt were valuable. So I pushed myself. I did a TEDx speech last year and so well done congratulations thank you again (laughs) really pushed my level of of comfort but I feel like if I'm working with people on a daily basis to help them get out of their comfort zone and stretch I need to keep remembering what that feels like because yeah otherwise I could get very complacent in the way I am with people and so it's really important to me to practice what I preach so I do push myself in you know in lots of ways to get out of my comfort zone so that I'm always in connection with what that feels like and so that I'm developing you know I am really passionate about providing opportunities for people to grow and that that's what we're here for as humans and Mm -hmm. to find ways of connecting with others and connecting with ourselves and 
and connecting with something bigger, you know, connecting with the, I don't know, this universal concept. So, you know, whether you are religious or spiritual and you relate that to, you know, a particular kind of thing or whether you think who we are universally, I really believe that that's something that we need to do. And so I practice that all the time and find my own ways of, of doing that and keeping that connection. I have many, I've had many, I've worked on some of them and I am sure I will continue to uncover more. I think you wouldn't be human if you didn't have them, I think. And often it's your own self-talk, isn't it? That's the Doubting Doris that has the biggest impact. It's whether you decide to let it dictate what's going to happen. I'm sure we could have talked for at least another hour, if not more. I'd like people to know how to get in touch with you, where they can find you and your work. So where should they go to? So we have a website and there's information on there about both our corporate services and our community groups. We're on all the usual social media platforms. So we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. And I personally am um, also on LinkedIn and people can email me through the website or give me a call. So I always love connecting with people. I'm really, I genuinely live out the principles of connection and collaboration. So always really happy for people to reach out to me and and have a chat. Yeah, please do connect with us. Please do look at our our website. And if you're interested in how creativity could help your business or your community, then we'd love to hear from you as well. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll speak again another time. Thank you. Full disclosure, Emma and I could have talked for much longer. Our conversation even sparked an idea for a creative collaboration. Let me just remind you to head to nickyvalance.com to join the Creative Switch community to connect and possibly collaborate with other fabulous creatives. Or do follow me on Twitter at Nikki underscore balance. So, Let's hear another doubting Doris story from coach Amy Bowes, who now fills her life with creative passions. But this wasn't always the case. Her doubting Doris was an art teacher who put her off, saying, you can't draw. She loved art as a kid, but was totally put off by that teacher. And then it wasn't until she was in her 20s that she took up pottery. And now she makes mosaics and crochets and cooks and bakes and works as a coach, which she says is all about creative thinking and being open to new possibilities. So she's sort of come full circle. She shares an exercise that she does with her clients if they've lost themselves or or their spark. She has them write down 20 things they'd like to do, or maybe used to like to do, and then talk through what about those things is meaningful and how they can incorporate some of those things or feelings more now. Sounds like a really useful exercise if you're feeling a bit stuck. Get thinking about your Doubting Doris stories and come and share them with us in the creative community. Maybe we can all learn from each other. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Creative Switch. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review over on podchaser.com. And if you've got any questions, please let me know on Twitter at Nikki underscore Valance. So what is a highly creative person and is it a benefit or not? Find out next time from my guest, artist, musician and coach, Tessa Richter. And remember, why survive when you can thrive?